Good morning. <laughs> My name is David. I'm one of the elders here at Fellowship Church. I'm also one of the pastors of Hope Church, which God has been raising up in our midst. God is doing an amazing work already. Um, he has called us to be a bilingual church. We'll have Spanish and English. He's called Ruben Barbosa and myself to co-pastor this church. Uh, Ruben will be teaching in Spanish. I'll be teaching in English. Two languages, one body, one hope. Um, God has been doing an amazing work already um, and preparing the way. We now have a location. Uh, <laughs> I guess of what? Uh, we, ha we have a first place to open our doors. On January 6th, we'll be opening our doors in Fuentes Elementary School. God has been providing for us. Praise the Lord. I'm going to make some adjustments here because otherwise I'll be running into these all morning. So my, my thoughts have often been going recently to this word hope. We're starting a church called Hope Church. What is hope? Not the hope like I hope you have a good day. But what is the hope that shapes our lives? What is the hope that affects the decisions that we make in our life? And there's... Two things, as I've been thinking through it, I think make up what hope is. The first is that hope contains a desire for something that I don't have. It could just be, you know, the latest iPhone or to get a new car, maybe my first car, maybe to get into a house for the first time. Maybe I'm looking for a change in circumstance, a better quality of life. Maybe I'm looking for a job or a better job. Yeah, I'm looking to the future of my kids, that they would grow up to love the Lord, that they would be successful in life. There's a lot of things that we hope for, a lot of desires that we have. What are the hopes that right now are driving you? What are the things you're working towards right now that you're hoping for? The other part of hope I think is necessary is belief. Because without belief, I'd say hope is just a dream. It's not not really hope. There's got to be some bit of belief to it that what's hoped for could actually be attained. And the greater the belief, the stronger the hope. A parent that's, that's hoping for the future of their children finds out that their child has been awarded a scholarship. Suddenly, the belief behind that hope is stronger. The hope for their future is stronger. That goes in the opposite direction, too. When the reason to believe has been destroyed, then hope is shattered and lost. Two years ago, this month, uh, Louisiana was hit by uh, some pretty hard floods, something that we're familiar with here in Texas. I had just finished training with Austin Disaster Relief Network uh, with their SISM training. It's their emotional care, emotional and spiritual care training uh, to be able to meet people who had just gone through disaster. So my first deployment with Austin Disaster Relief Network was a week in Denham Springs, Louisiana. The town had been uh, practically destroyed by flood. More than 90% of the homes affected by flood. And we spent every day that week going house to house, meeting people right in the midst of the disaster, attempting to cover the 2,000 homes in Denham Springs. Something that I saw in that 
I could almost tell even before they said that a person would tell me that their faith was in Jesus Christ because there was a resilience there that stood out. There was a difference there in those who believed in Jesus Christ. What was that difference? I believe it's the hope that's in this book. Peter calls it a living hope. And this morning I want to look at 1 Peter uh, and what he talks about, a living hope. But before we do that, let's pray. Father, thank you for your word. God, thank you for the hope that you have for us that's greater than the hope that's in front of us. God, I confess that apart from your spirit showing us the depths of the hope of what's in this book, we can't understand it. So I pray that you would open our eyes to what you have for us. God, I lay my own hopes at your feet. Speak into our lives. Show us what you want for us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, first Peter. So Peter is not writing this letter to a specific church. He's writing this letter to those he calls uh, exiles and sojourners. And it's to be spread throughout much of the Roman Empire. And he's writing it at a time of persecution of the church, but it's, it's on the eve of much greater persecution. Within a year or two of writing this letter, uh, the emperor of Rome, Nero, would be blaming the Christians for the great fires of Rome, mostly to distract from implications to himself. But that would bring in a time when Christians would be thrown to animals, they would be burned alive, they would be crucified. Even Peter, within a few years of writing this, uh, would be captured and crucified. So it's into that situation that the Spirit of God has led Peter to write this letter of hope, of encouragement and direction for the churches to be spread throughout the Roman Empire. He says, Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who are elect exiles of the dispersion in Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, and Bithynia, according to the foreknowledge of God the Father in the sanctification of the Spirit, for obedience to Jesus Christ and for sprinkling with his blood, may grace and peace be multiplied to you. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. There it is, that living hope. Through the grace of God, through the resurrection of Jesus Christ. What is the belief of living hope? It's belief in Jesus Christ. It's the gospel is at the foundation of living hope. See, apart from Christ, I was without hope. I was without God. I was a sinner destined for hell. Then God sent his son, Jesus, to die for my sin so that I could have forgiveness of my sin through his blood. And that I could, through his resurrection, be made right with God and have fellowship with God and live in new life. That is the foundation of hope in my life. That was the difference in those in Denham Springs. That's a foundation of hope you can't destroy. You can't destroy with flood and fire. Take everything from me. Take my family. Take my life. You can't destroy the foundation of hope that I have in Jesus Christ that's taken me into eternity. That's the foundation of hope. That's the difference. 
It was in those in Denham Springs. The second day in Denham Springs, uh, end of the day, I met this dear lady. I think she was probably in her late 50s, uh, very distraught. Um, as I was talking to her, I found out she was recently widowed. Uh, her husband had died recently, and she'd also lost some of her siblings recently to cancer. She was upset about her and concerned about her kids, grown kids that were not walking with the Lord. And she was distraught with the conditions that she was in, in the shelter that she was living in. She told me about when they finally let them back into the neighborhood after the floodwaters had receded, she could go back to her house. And everything was destroyed in the house. And as she's going back outside, she saw her rose bush there on the side of the house. And there was a fresh rose that had, that had grown on there since the floodwaters had receded. And she said when she saw that, she knew God was telling her, I love you, I'm taking care of you. That's the living hope that we have in Christ. It's a relationship with Jesus that carries us. And boy, the darker the times, the more sweet the fellowship that we have with Christ. That's the foundation of living hope. So living hope, the belief of living hope is in Jesus Christ. What is the desire of living hope? It's desiring something that I don't have. Peter gets into that. Let's look, uh, starting in the middle of verse 3. He says, He has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What do we desire? We desire a future glory. Peter is just touching the edge of what this future glory is with a couple of things here. What's the first thing that he has? He says, it's to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. What do you mean inheritance? See, when I put my faith in Christ, not only was my sin forgiven, not only was I raised to new life in Christ and following Christ in relationship, But I was adopted as a son, a co-heir with Christ. Talk about heir to a fortune. My dad is God Almighty who created the heavens and the earth. And he has right now kept in heaven for me an inheritance that's fit for the son of God. I am a co-heir to that inheritance. How incredible. (laughs) And what, what is this inheritance like? says it's, it's imperishable. It's, it's going to last for eternity. Uh, it's undefiled. It's pure. It's pleasing to God. It's unfading. It's, it's the opposite of everything that the world has to offer me. Things that are ultimately destroyed. Things that pull my attention away from God. Things that are impure. Things that ultimately lose their glory in our eyes and we just toss them aside. That's not what this inheritance is going to be. What's the other part that he gives us here? He gives us a future salvation. He says, in this you, let's see, who by God's power are being guarded, this is verse five, through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. What do you mean a future salvation that will be revealed in the last time? Aren't I already saved? Yes, 
I am already saved. Through Jesus' sacrifice on the cross, everything, every sin that I have done, every sin that I will do has been paid for. Through Jesus' resurrection, yes, I am raised to new life. I'm walking in fellowship with God. God has set a hope in front of me, but I still sin. I'm still looking back to the hopes that are back here that are not pleasing to God, and I'm still struggling with sin back here. This hope that God has set before me, that, that's perfected in love. That, that's, that's what I want to be. But back here, I'm still being pulled by selfish desires. My relationships are being affected by my own selfishness. There's going to be a day when salvation is revealed. This is where our hope is at. This is the desire of our hearts is for that day when this final salvation is revealed and every thought that I have will be pure and pleasing to God. I will no longer desire anything that the world has to offer here. My desire will only be for God and what's pleasing to God and to enjoy the inheritance that he has for me on that day. That's the final salvation. Now in this place that I'm in, now though, I'm torn. I have this hope in front of me. I have these things that are right in front of me here. It's in that place of being torn that Satan will attack us. Hear me, church. How do we respond when Satan comes at us and says, how can you call yourself a Christian? Look at, you just failed again. How can you be used by God? Look, your selfishness, how you responded to your kids, how you responded to your wife. How do you call yourself a Christian? How do we respond to that? I think there's two things that are important. We go back to the cross and we say, that sin is already paid for. God's grace has saved me. And then we look here. See, I'm not the one getting myself from here to there. It's by God's power that I'm being guarded. He says in verse five, who by God's power are being guarded through faith. See, I'm trusting God to be the one to carry me from here to there. It's not in my power. Satan, you have to go talk to God about that. (laughs) Let me give you a couple more verses that are saying the same thing. Let's go to to Ephesians chapter 1. In verse... uh, in verse 13, it says, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it to the praise of his glory. The, the Spirit of God has put his seal on us to guarantee that day, that inheritance. If we turn over to Philippians chapter 1, if you're feeling under attack in any of these areas, take these verses And know that it's God who's carrying you there. Philippians chapter 1 verse 6, he says, I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus Christ. Back in 1 Peter, it was in verse 3, said it was God who caused us to be born again. It says it is by his power that we're being guarded until that day. It's the spirit of God that has put a seal on us to guarantee that day. It is God who's carrying it out to the end. Praise the Lord. It's not me that has to get me there. So we have 
uh, this desire for future glory. Um, third point that I wanted to, to make that Peter gets us into here is that living hope is tested by trials. So if we continue in verse 6, it says, In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. So rejoicing in the hope that's set before us, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials. What's that little while? That's my lifespan. What are the various trials? Well, that's being ridiculed for the name of Christ. That's people being thrown to animals. <laughs> that's people being crucified, burned alive. Peter, is this a gross understatement? For a little while, various trials. I don't think so. Peter shares the same perspective as Paul. And Paul says, I don't consider these present sufferings even worthy of comparison to the glory that's set before me. It's not that he's diminishing the, the suffering, diminishing what we're dealing with now, but in comparison to the glory, the hope that's set before us, this is nothing. My lifespan compared to eternity is an infinitesimal dot. It is for a little while. It's less than a little while. Set your mind on eternity, on the hope that's set before you. So he gives us here some reasons for trials. It says, if necessary, you've been grieved by various trials so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes though it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. The tested genuineness of your faith. It is only genuine faith that saves us to begin with. It's only genuine faith that is going to stand up under trial. But there's a purpose in the trials that when genuine faith has been tested, that that's going to result on that day in praise and glory and honor. Notice those nouns, praise, glory, and honor are unmodified nouns. They're not attached to anything. That's praise and glory and honor for the faithfulness of God's children. As they stood there and said in the midst of trial, blessed be the name of the Lord in good and bad. That's praise and glory and honor to the Father who saved us to a salvation, who sent his Son to save us. The fellowship of the Son, praise and glory and honor to Christ who was there present in fellowship as we went through those trials. Praise and glory and honor to the Spirit of God who was there empowering us as we went through those trials. There's going to be a celebration on that day. And every time we have stood there and said, Blessed be the name of the Lord, we are creating an offering 
that will be set there on that day, and we will all celebrate it together. Praise the Lord. There's another reason to celebrate that Peter gives us if we turn over to chapter 4. In verse 12, he says, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery trial when it comes upon you to test you, as though something strange were happening to you. But rejoice insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. If you are insulted for the name of Christ, you are blessed, because the spirit of glory and of God rests upon you. What's going on here? If I'm being ridiculed for Christ's name, praise the Lord. My name is associated with his name. That's that's something to rejoice about. My association with Jesus. See, Jesus died. Well, I'm associated with Jesus' death. My old life was put to death. Jesus rose. I'm associated with Jesus' resurrection that I have been raised to new life, to walk in new life with Christ. So in Jesus' life, he was ridiculed and he suffered. So now when I am ridiculed and suffered, I rejoice because I am associated with Jesus Christ. On that day when Jesus Christ is revealed and the world sees his glory, I will be standing right beside him, associated with Jesus Christ and his glory. Praise the Lord that my name is next to his name. Yes, that's another reason to rejoice when we go through trials for his name. Recently, I, I got to meet um, Robert Adams, who's the uh, he's regional director for Mission India in, in, the, in, in the Texas area. And he was telling me a story about the first time he visited India. And he was looking at uh, the ministries going on there through Mission India. And the two things that they were doing uh, in Calcutta where he was visiting was a children's uh, Bible club uh, for the kids. And they were doing literacy classes for the adults. And they had just gotten done with a children's Bible club. And he said they were sitting down eating and a lady was, was serving them food. And he noticed as she turned that she had serious burns uh, from below her ear down. And so he asked the translator, he said, you know, what, what's the story behind that? Why has she got those burns? He said that she had been going to one of the literacy classes and had come to know Christ. And her, her family was doing better. She was doing better as a result. And her brother-in-law, who's part of a Hindu nationalist group that's trying to remove Christianity from India, I uh, told her, you can't go to that class. There's Christians there. She said, no, I know. I've come to know Christ. I'm going to go to that class. So he poured kerosene on her and lit her on fire. She had six, uh, third degree burns over 60% of her body. So Robert told the translator, he said, tell her I'm so sorry that she had to go through that. He said, this big smile came on her face said, this is nothing compared to what my Lord did for me. What a perspective. What a perspective. 
of sharing in the suffering of our Lord Jesus, to have joy because of that. Peter continues. Verse 8, he says, Though you have not seen him, talking of Jesus Christ, actually just having mentioned the revelation of Jesus Christ, as though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with a joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith, the salvation of your souls. That's living, it's living hope. We don't see Jesus now, but we believe in him. We don't see him right now, but we love him. And we enjoy the fellowship of Christ through the Holy Spirit. And on that day, we're looking forward to the fullness of the glory, the salvation that God has for us. So church, how do we live in light of living hope? Let's turn to verse 13, still chapter 1. Peter gives us instruction. He says, therefore, prepare your minds for action. This is action in my relationships. This is action in my job, action in my marriage, action with my kids. Prepare your, prepare your minds for action. And being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. That's going to affect every part of our life if our hope is set fully on the grace that we receive on that day. Praise the Lord for what he's doing. And I have gone much faster than I thought I would. <laughs> thank you, Lord, for what you're doing. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the, the living hope that you have given us. God, I pray that our minds would be set that our focus would be set on that day. On that day when your, your grace is going to be poured out on us in a way that we can only imagine right now. God, I pray that that hope would shape our lives. That every decision that we make, big and small, would be driven by the hope that we have in you. God, I lift up Hope Church as we're looking to the future. I pray that through, through your church, God, that you would reach people who are without hope because they are without you. God, let the gospel, the good news that you have, just be proclaimed clearly from here, Fellowship Church, from Hope Church, that people would come to know the living hope that is you. God, we praise your name and we look forward to that day. In Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, church.